welcome to Paths to Restoration. I'm Ed Sazeski. I'm the author of Reconnect, Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction, and I am joined by Christiana Peterson. Uh, she is the author of Mystics and Misfits, Meeting God Through St. Francis and Other Unlikely Saints. I'll, I'll hold it up for folks watching on video. And then the newly released uh, Awakened by Death, Life-Giving Lessons from the Mystics. Thanks for joining me, Christiana. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So I always like to start out with just inviting my guests to talk about what they're working on these days, um, you know, what, what projects you have in the works or, or what you've been doing with your, your current books. Yeah, so I, my connection is a little unstable. I hate to stop that, stop you and say that. Yeah, yeah. I can't too. always see you and hear you. Is that, okay. is that a problem on your end? Okay, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll keep going. I'm sorry. We'll, I, I'm that's messing right. up your recording. That's okay. Okay. You're good. So what I'm writing, well, I, I just released Awakened by Death and um, it's sort of a historical look at death through the ages and how different cultures have seen death and particularly the fear of death mm. and i sort of have marked that out with the lives of some of the mystics that i've chosen and kind of gone back to their time periods and looked at what their culture was was um how that that their culture was looking at death and what they had to how they could speak into that um because of their you know, strange and wonderful uh, uh, approaches to God and their union with God, um, what wisdom they have to offer them then and then us now. So that's kind of a, a short summary of Awakened by Death. Great. Um, great. I, yeah. And then um, your other book, Mystics and Misfits. Now, this is one that I keep down in my living room. Um, it's actually next, it's next to Sarah Bessie's book too, um, her latest oh. one, Miracles, uh -huh. um, I'm blanking on the title now, I'm not doing good on book titles today, um, Miracles <laughs> and Other Reasonable Things, I think it is, uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's one of those books that I love to recommend to people um, who are like, who are looking for memoir or, you know, it's just something a little different, because um, mm -hmm. I, I love your story, can you just give folks the kind of the, the you know, bird's, eye, bird's eye view here? Sure. So it, it really was the story of the eight years that my husband and kids and I spent in a Christian intentional community. We lived on a farm, 180 acres, and it was a Mennonite affiliated intentional community. And it's sort of the story of um, our early sort of innocence about community, our naivete about community, mm -hmm. and how um, you know, how we respond when struggles come, when our um, ideals are shattered and what kind of new life can come from um, seeing, seeing those things shattered and, and what we can mm. learn from them. And then in between, uh, at different points, I have letters to some mystics um, just talking about working through my struggles through these letters and seeing their lives and sort of um, seeing them as pilgrims along the journey beside me and what they have to teach me in the midst of all this sometimes chaos and um, the beauties and joys of communal, communal life and motherhood and yeah. struggles. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we could spend <laughs> the entire podcast just talking about this one question. So I'll try to restrain mm. myself. But when I, I read your book, I kind of, I can relate to it. I think a lot of people can relate to it because there's almost a sense of if I could move to this place or if I could put myself in this situation, then I will thrive. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and we moved to Vermont early on in our marriage. And my, my, my wife is actually from Vermont. So we had a connection there, but I had like bought into the like Vermont magazine version of Vermont, <laughs> yeah. you know, where it's like everyone has this like, you know, very rustic, deeply fulfilling, you know, community, community based, earthy, whatever existence. And it's all this harmonious thing. And you get there and it's, you know, like, sure, like there are those elements, like the fall of colors happen. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, it's kind of funny. There was this weird moth that came and ate all the leaves our first year. So they, we didn't have any fall <laughs> colors our first year. But, but I, I that right like, there. There we go. Ideal um, scratching immediately. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I felt like reading your story, there was just that, I think that that very human element of if we can just, you know, go to this place and do this thing, stuff will just kind of fall into place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that's really true. Um, I think, I don't remember which monk or maybe many monks have said this, like when, you know, going to the wilderness doesn't, it doesn't help you escape from yourself. Actually, right. sometimes you find all your demons come up <laughs> in there. Yep. And I think in a way we were, um, we were drawn in by this ideal version of community and farm life, just like that Vermont picture. Um, Yep. That, that it would be this thing, this beautiful, natural, organic, um, community-oriented thing. And there were certainly those moments, but, you know, it's, it's real and it's hard. Community life is so hard, um, especially when you're living so close with your neighbors. And a lot of times the people that are drawn to that kind of life are drawn to it for a lot of different reasons, but um, because the other other life is not fitting and fulfilling. So we all come together with all of these strong ideals and expectations of ourselves and each other. And then we're all sort of blowing up <laughs> together, you know, disintegrate. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't mean to say that it was all like that. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. you know, that's kind of the most crushing parts of it. Um, of but really, all, when you have all those distractions gone, the real stuff comes up and the worst parts and the best parts of yourself emerge. Mm. Um, and that can be really important. I mean, I think that's necessary for our spiritual lives, but it can be really hard when you're doing that all together in close quarters. <laughs> right. I'm curious how that experience informs you now in this time where we're going through this pandemic we're like quarantined mm -hmm. you know i'm curious how, how has that shaped how you think about quarantining isolation mm. well i think that i, I certainly it, it's certainly not as bizarre of an experience as it could have been before living sort of in an isolated spot on a farm. Okay. Um, I'm yeah. really thankful not to be there anymore, just because there was um, 
a lot of stress at the end. And I think <laughs> there's enough stress right now uh, not to add on communal stress. But I mean, but there's other times where that it actually would have been nice to have our neighbors close and to have this beautiful property, you know, kind of making yourself a, your own communal pod. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. But, um, you know, I hadn't thought about that question in a while. Uh, it's a really interesting question, how it's affected me now. Uh, I think it's just such a different experience now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have four, four kids who are all in school and my husband is working a totally different kind of job. And um, I think I have more resources now, um, as isolated as everyone is. Mm. Um, more personal resources, um, spiritual resources than I did then, maybe because of that experience and recognizing what's good for me and what's not good for me. Um, and a lot of that isolation, of course, we're all isolated, but um, yeah, yeah, that kind of intentional isolation wasn't necessarily good for me. Mm, mm. Right, right. Now, um, one of the ways that we can break free from our isolation is with our smartphones, mm -hmm. with social media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how has, you know, social media, having a phone on you, um, how has that kind of intersected with your spiritual writing, with, you know, your your day-to-day -day life as, as, a, as a Christian author? Well, this is such a big question because I think it brings in for me I start thinking about um, you know marketing and Christian celebrity and affirmation um, and I think all of those um, things are mixed in with I know you're talking about smartphone but with social media use. yeah yeah it's all, um, all mixed in you know when I started well pandemic hit about the time I was finishing up my book and then starting to market this book and I definitely noticed, you know, 50 days out, you're supposed to put something on social media every day. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed a change in my, uh, in my brain during that time. And it wasn't something that I liked. <laughs> mm. Just, I've just noticed the, the, um, the impulse more to check my phone. And, yeah. and I think a lot of that for me has to do with, um, not as much, I mean, I was doing some scrolling, but not as much the scrolling, but the the affirmation, the need to see if someone had responded to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of dark demons in, <laughs> in there with the need for affirmation um, with me personally, but all of us, yeah. that, that it kind of stirs up a little bit. Um, and just, I don't know, trying to think through at this point, now that my marketing, my major marketing, it's hit a lull because the book has already released. What, what changes do I need to make now? And what will that look like for the future in terms of trying to be able to keep writing um, and not being in that, that churning that, that yeah. we're told we need, you know, when we have to market ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it makes me feel fuzzy spiritually. Um, you know, my brain feels full of not necessarily things that are all bad, but not full of the right things, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you know, what was it like, you know, feeling like you had to be on social media kind of in the lead up to this big election in America? Like it's, it's almost like you couldn't choose to like unplug from it all. No. You had, you had to be on there. Yeah. You're going to see stuff. You're going to see people either freaking out or whatever, you know. Um, I think for the first time in a long time, I, I had a lot of trouble sleeping. Okay. Um, a lot of tough trouble. Uh, it, it felt like my brain was like lit up all night long. And I, I had, you know, I think it was just the continuous, not only the posting, but seeing just the anxiety and, and feeling mm -hmm. anxiety and, yeah, you know, not to mention having my kids around full time. I think that there's a, um, when, when you're, I'm sort of rambling around here, getting right. all different subjects. Yeah. But when you're, as a lot of us have have discovered, when you're around your kids full time, especially school aged kids, and you're needing to work on something, if you have no time, then that means you have every every moment is a time that you can do that work. So what I mean by that is, I didn't have any chunk of time away to do this work, so I was constantly doing it do you know right. what I mean yeah 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 and so I found myself getting more entrenched just brain wise in in all of that and um needing to to take some space have days of fasting and um days of deleting things and mm. yeah I think it's definitely been a problem for sure has there been any particular you know uh, writings from the mystics over the past couple of months that you've been either reminded of or leaning mm. on or just or this keeps coming to mind for you yeah I actually started listening uh, re-listening or I hadn't listened to it I've read it but Julian of Norwich's revelations of divine love mm. and I found a um, back to my phone I found a podcast that just reads uh, that revelations of divine love um, chapter by chapter so I started listening to her a bit and um, I got, I started getting into Hildegard von Bingen. Um, so I guess those two women in the past couple of months have really um, spoken to me particularly. I'm trying to think what some of my other reading has been. Um, of course, Henry Nowen is always <laughs> a wonderful voice and um I don't know some of, I mean, since I was writing the book, I was engaged with a lot of different mystics. Um, Catherine of Siena, Teresa of Avila. I, I really like her. St. Francis de Sales. I think he's a really compassionate, calm voice. Mm. That sounds good. I like calm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Awakened by Death, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is that, um, and I, I brought this up in Reconnect, it's that I feel like one of the things about having our phones on us all the time, about having the, the urgency of social media, like it, it really does give us an instant out from self-reflection, from, yeah. you know, pondering our, our mortality, mm -hmm. uh, honestly. Um, I feel like for me, you know, if I'm in an uncomfortable moment, you know, it's almost like a reflex. It's not, yeah. it's not a planned thing even. And so I have to, intentionally stop myself like okay 
we're not going to like look at the phone right now. We're going right. to think about, we're going to reflect. <laughs> yeah. We're going to think about deep stuff now, whether we like it or not. Right. Um, right. You know, uh, yeah. I just wanted to give you a chance to just share, you know, your own journey with that or how the mm-hmm. what kind of was a part of that journey for you. Well, I think a, a big thing for me was it has been, uh, and particularly with having kids around uh, has been leaving the house and going on walks and particularly walks in the cemetery, which I, I talk about in the book um, and leaving my phone at home when I do that, um, you know, cause it's easy when you're walking to just yeah. take pictures or, or check that message or whatever, but intentionally leaving my phone at home and walking in the cemetery and using that as a time to look at gravestones and really think, you know, this is going to be me one day. This is how we're all going to end. We're all going to end up in places like this. And I think that's a a humbling um, and vulnerable thing to think about. And it's one of the reasons why we um, don't want to think about it. It's really, it's painful and hard to think about. And I think you're right. There's more and more um, reasons to be uh, numbing ourselves to that reality because um, the disruption of COVID and um, the potential for all of us to suffer more, be ill, or to even die is, is a, a, a reality that's more in, in a lot of our conscience, consciousness, um, whereas before it's been a little more repressed. So mm-hmm. I think we've suddenly become more aware of our mortality, even though it was the same, it's always been this way. Um, we have had the luxury of avoiding thoughts of our mortality for a long time and seeing, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths and the numbers rising in our country, it becomes unavoidable. Um, and so we numb ourselves then yeah. <laughs> on our phones, you know, yeah, or yeah. we, or we, you know, call them, you know, say that that's not really happening or we try to change the facts or whatever because it's hard to to just linger on the reality of death. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um yeah, as you're yeah, are there are there moments where you feel like um I don't know, like so one of the things I, I was doing in reconnect is I was going through Thomas Merton's um, conjectures of a guilty bystander. And he wrote all this stuff about technology. And I was like, mm-hmm. look, like Thomas Merton is talking about stuff that I'm thinking about today with smartphones, even though he didn't mm-hmm. know what, what a smartphone was. Um, right. <laughs> what, you know, what, what are some of the things that maybe, you know, the mystics that you read in Awakened by Death, like what would be the things that they would be saying about COVID that, you know, they're not, they don't know about COVID, but mm-hmm. you know, what, what kind of word would they have for us today, either in, in general, or is there one, one person in particular who has something that, you know, you thought like, oh, this is actually like exactly for where we're at right now. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was writing uh, the book, I obviously COVID was not in our... Oh, right. Right. Because you got it done. It, right. I okay. didn't. Yeah. It, I didn't know about COVID. It was only... Um, it was in March, I believe, that I was really finishing off the last round of edits for my book. And I had a conversation with my editor. Um, do we try to put something in in the book? Because there's lots of moments that we could 
talk about COVID, especially with the medieval mystics and, the, and them uh, being in the midst of the Black Death and their own pandemic. Oh, right. Um, yeah, but we decided that, I just mentioned it in the conclusion that that, that was beginning. And also I didn't have time, we were, it was so new that I didn't have time to process what all of that would look like um, for the entire book and all of these different cultures. Yeah. But as I thought about it afterwards, and I think we're still obviously in the middle of it and, mm -hmm. and can't always tell what's gonna happen. I think Julian of Norwich um, is, has been really important to me particularly because she, a lot of scholars think that she lost some family, maybe even a husband and children during the, the Black Death. Mm. Um, and then she decided to become an anchorite and have the uh, Requiem Mass said over her and declared dead in the eyes of the church and then just lived in a little cell. But something I think that she really offers to us is this beautiful and you know heartbreaking idea that God is with us in our suffering that you know she was going through an immense amount of suffering she she thought she was dying when she started having all these visions right and she was distraught at and in mm -hmm. many moments and asking God like you know are you there what how is this darkness how are you going to redeem this darkness and that is when her famous line comes from Jesus um, saying all will be well and all manner of things will be well. Mm. And I think just offering to us that, you know, she's, she's coming at us from a culture that was used to death and used to suffering. Mm. And in our yeah. Euro Western culture, we're, we're a little farther removed from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just to say that suffer, you will suffer, Suffering is a part of the human experience. Death is also the part of the human experience, but God is in the suffering with us. And that is part of our hope. Mm. I feel like that's, that's really important to think about too, just the fact that um, there are those moments of, of uncertainty, of doubt, of, mm -hmm. yeah, I, th I think that we, a lot of times we think about the mystics as kind of having, having it together. <laughs> you know like they're like kind of just like yeah. just like um you know place of uh, peace with god uh, not at all <laughs> yeah not at all and you know a lot of them had you know I, I, i'm blanking out on some of the names now but you know a lot of them had like really uh horrible medical experiences you know yeah or, or you know um, saint francis and catherine yeah. and sienna and mm -hmm. yeah um you know so you know they and, or, you know, either that or they were, you know, ostracized or mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, there, there's a lot of suffering and uncertainty that like preceded these, you know, these spiritual breakthroughs. So mm -hmm. yes, um, yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's, Definitely. The, I don't know if I'm using the best word for it, like breakthrough, but, um, you know, a, spirit, a moment of, of clarity or, mm -hmm. or well, that's what, you know, Richard Rohr talks a lot about the, that a lot of transformation comes from great suffering or great love. And I think that the mystics show both of those things mm. that, you know, St. Francis had these wounds that he, he said the stigmata wounds. Some people think they were leprous and, 
he's suffering agony and um, and then you know his interactions with lepers and just all of those that their faith uh, made them run toward the wounds of others and suffering um, and they didn't they saw that as part of their faith was being with other people and their suffering and suffering themselves. Catherine of Siena had a stroke. And so, yeah, I think in their own lives and then seeing the lives of others, it was just part of the human experience and finding God there in the suffering was part of transformation for mm -hmm. them. I, I'm curious too about, um, you know, when we think about being present for others and suffering, I mean, a lot of how we're present these days is actually through social media, right? It's through you know Zoom calls, <laughs> you know. Right, um, right. <laughs> you know, my church. You know, I'm, I'm on the vestry at my church, and we have like a little like check-in time at the start of our calls, and that's kind of mm -hmm. like a way to be you know present for each other. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I think we all know it's inadequate, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Is we're we're trying to be present without actually being physically present. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to know what effect that's gonna have on us long-term. You know, I have hope, um, or at its best, I guess, after this has receded, hopefully, yeah. um, are we going to be more eager to be together? Are we gonna have let that, that emptiness or the loss of that draw us toward each other more I, I mean that's a hope right um or are we going to you know be afraid of that contact because it's so you know it's been missing for us and we've gotten used to not having that contact are we gonna mm. it'll be interesting and you know kind of on the edge of our seat wondering what's going to happen through all of this um yeah yeah I guess I think since we can't be together, it's better to have that than nothing. But I think it's going to change the landscape of our communities of faith too. I, I wonder if more people are going to be more content being at home and if churches yeah. are going to have to continue having Zoom worship because more people are going to want to stay at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, recognizing kind of seasons here that mm -hmm. you know, we kind of come through this election season where it's been kind of extra crazy. I feel like my, my screen time, you know, more than doubled, I think just kind of keeping track of things. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm very competitive about, about my screen time, you know, like a, a, a source of pride. You know, I, I'm, you know, you talked about kind of having to do like a bit of a reset um, after mm -hmm. your book launch, but, you know, just in general, like, um, what do you think a, a reset would look like for us, mm -hmm. um, you know, now, whether that's with social media, with, you know, um, you know, with our spiritual practices, mm -hmm. you know, or even just, you know, conversations you've had with people about, you know, what, what they feel like they need to change, you know. I yeah. Want to, want to make that as broad as possible. So, you know, <laughs> talk about anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I think 
And well, I guess for me and my friends, I do think it's necessary to remove ourselves from the 24 hour news cycles and from yeah. um, misinformation, um, finding ways to uh, separate ourselves from places that are providing more misinformation or at least put limits on the way we ingest all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that's been good for me is to try not, well, one of my practices, I guess, I guess I'll go in that direction. Yeah. At, on an ideal day, I would yeah. not have my phone in my bedside, but I would leave it downstairs instead of yeah. having it beside me, mm -hmm. wake up to an alarm clock. And then uh, I've been trying to read a chapter of Luke every morning before I turn on my phone or before I listen to news um, and just mm. having a spiritual, a spiritual practice before accessing any kind of media. Um, I don't know if that's going to lower my, my screen time numbers, but I feel like it at least um, it, I am at least trying to open myself up to uh, the influence of that spiritual practice above the noise and the chaos. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's a, a good practice for a lot of us is to begin the morning in another way instead of ingesting. Um, I was reading in your book, you were talking about, uh, you know, trying to be careful where you get your news. I think yeah. we started, we started getting a local paper um, and we used to get the New York times, but we, we don't anymore, but only wouldn't it be great if we could all go back to just getting a paper, yep. re reading the paper in the morning and not yes. knowing what happens until the next morning. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, all the reactions, everything. Right. I yeah. mean, we don't, we don't have a TV. We do have, obviously yeah. we have internet, yeah. but being during the election, um, I hadn't watched CNN in, I don't know, a year or more. Yeah. And we were on CNN refreshing like yeah. everybody was. When is yeah. the next result coming in? Right. And I thought, this is just not, I mean, this is not good. Like, yeah. even just that, I noticed the anxiety in, in me and my husband. It was so unhealthy. Yeah. So, but I know a lot of people do that. They have their news on all day in the background and. Right. It's not, it's not good. We need to turn, we need to turn all that off. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. You, you brought that up because we, we have not owned a television either mm -hmm. um, in our, all of our years. And we, we, we uh, went for a hike on election day and went to bed early on election day. Oh, good um, for you. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. We, we've learned our lesson. I mean, yeah, we've learned this the hard way, but, yeah. um, but I, I was thinking too about the amount of uh, anxiety that, you know, was being fed to me on, on social media and just seeing mm -hmm. all the different reactions. And, you know, and I, I was a, a child of growing up reading newspapers in the morning, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, what probably made me want to be a writer is just reading a newspaper every day. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just such a different, and that's something that's really interesting to me is that we are accessing uh, our news in such a different way in such a, yeah. a louder, you know, more chaotic way. Like, yeah. And that, and that that filters down, like that it has an impact. Well, I, it was amazing to me just to watch, I, I don't know how they did it, the guys that were on CNN, 
they were saying the same things repeatedly for hours and hours and hours. I mean, he, he'd, he'd open the screen and close it again and just find a different way to say the same thing. And I, I feel like, our, I mean, how can you talk for 24 hours a day? And you, you have to say things that are not true. Not that, <laughs> I mean, or at least you don't have all the information. I mean, we've seen right. that. Yeah, you yeah, see, speculate. We've, yeah, the speculation, I guess is yeah. a better word than lie. <laughs> It's just the constant speculation, which changes all of our expectations and gives us gives us all anxiety and we're waiting for it, waiting for things that are not, maybe we don't need to wait for, or maybe we should wait for, we should be uh, willing to be patient and wait for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not, it's not healthy. <laughs> I wish, I wish we could do something about the news, but I'm not in control of that. Right, right. I can do that with my own life, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of the, the hope of the podcast like this is to, you know, talk to people who are trying it a different way and to yeah. you know, try to normalize something else that's hopefully healthier or, you know, more life-giving. So. Well, I think your book is so important right now. I mean, it's always important, but, um, giving, I, I mean, I was just reading through it and just giving a reminder. It's not a shaming thing, but just remember what this is doing to you. Let's open our eyes. Let's see uh, ways we can change. We're going to, we're going to be in this media stuff for a long time. So we need to find yeah. practices to help us pause and to be in control rather than the, the media control or the smartphone, social media controlling us. Yeah. So yeah, I think yep. it's really important. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for joining me for this discussion. Um, I, I will say, um, so folks out there, you know, Mystics and Misfits, um, definitely pick it up if you like kind of memoir-y Christian nonfiction. This is a good one. Um, I, always, I always put that in people's hands in my home. I, I will you. say that Awakened by Death came as we were moving and remodeling our house. So. <laughs> I, I almost was late for our call because I was digging through you know, boxes and shelves. Like, where is this book at? I wanted to be able to hold it up, but um, I, am, I am looking forward to reading this book so much. Um, well, I hope, I, I think it's always a topic that's going to be. Right. This will be relevant. Yeah. It's going to be relevant. I mean, unfortunately it's a talk that's always relevant. So. <laughs> uh, where, where can folks connect with you? Where, where are you at these days? Whether it's your know, website, social media. How can folks get in touch? My, my website is christianainpeterson.com. And then I, I, I spend, in terms of social media, I, I probably spend more time on Instagram. Um, I have a, a personal page, which is Christiana in Pete. And then I also have a, an Instagram book page, which is Awakened by Death. So on the, on the Awakened by Death page, I just put some fun pictures and of books that I'm reading and um, fun pictures of death fun pictures <laughs> I think they're fun <laughs> I like skulls my my kids okay. probably okay. Have, have noticed my weird obsession with skulls but okay <laughs> <laughs> my son my three-year-old was like I want for your birthday I want to get you a stuffed skull <laughs> I was like oh no what have I done to my kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so your, your website again that was that was your it's just your full name is this had yeah. the little initial yes mm -hmm. okay so mm -hmm. and, and peterson.com all right mm -hmm. awesome 
Well, yep. thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ed. It was a great conversation. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.